Well, welcome to Tuesday at the Table. I would like to welcome everybody here tonight and everybody out there in uh, internet land, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook. Um, we're coming together to glean from God's Word and just partake from His table tonight. So to get started, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just lift you up right now. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Lord, it's our time to have you feed us through your word. We ask that you would open each one of each and every one of us, our eyes, ears, and hearts to what you want said tonight. We thank you, Lord, for getting us through another day and just knowing that you'll deliver us home safely. But right now, Lord, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. All of this in Jesus' name, and we said, Amen. Amen. Last week, if you remember, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I really was kind of wondering what I was going to be speaking about, and he shook my tree, kind of listening to pastor this weekend, and I want to, us to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Let's talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Yep, Galatians 5. We're going to start in 16. Galatians 5, 16. But I want to kind of touch on something and kind of go back to last week. We were talking about, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. And we were talking about how love, with, with any of the gifts, if you don't have love, those gifts are for naught. You might as well just, it's a clanging symbol. Y'all remember that part. And unfortunately, it seems in the church world, I'm not saying here, but um, so many people want to operate in the gifts. They rather have the gifts any day than produce fruit, their own fruit. They rather, they think, many people think they get the gifts and uh, they are able to prophesy, speak in tongues, whatever. That is fruit for them. It is not fruit. That you are operating totally in a gift that was bestowed on you, that was given to you. Um, you can't conjure it up yourself. You can't do it. It is a gift. And what we can show and what we can do is we can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Honestly and truthfully, we don't need to be looking toward the gifts if we are not producing the fruit. But so many people want to operate in the gifts without even considering the fruit. So many people want the gift. They want the, hey, look at me, when people should be really able to look at you and see the fruits of the Spirit in your life. And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to get off that high horse. I'm not going to beat people up too much tonight. But we need to really take a look at that. Gifting, the gifts of the Spirit take second hand to the fruits. The fruits is what you should labor for. And that shows that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is working in you totally when we do that. So in Galatians 5, we're going to start in verse 16. Um, the little heading I had when I was looking at it, the heading said, Keep in step with the Spirit, is what the heading said. But we're going to start in Galatians 5 and 16. We're just going to take this slowly down, and we're going to stop and talk and uh, just break it on down. So in 16 it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Understand this, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We also need to stop turning our 
Holy Spirit hearing aid off and listen to that little, little uh, still voice. Three years. Three years. I've told y'all my testimony. I've told you where I, I've come from, how the Lord had used me in the past. Three years, I turned my spiritual hearing aid off. I even would feel on my back. And not mad at the Lord, not mad at anything. Me feeling, one, once I started this, I started feeling ashamed. Again, I started being my own judge. There's only one judge, and he sits on the throne up in heaven. And if you came to uh, churchy words, and you heard me talking about redemption and atonement, you would understand, you don't, you're not your judge. He is. And when you get covered under the blood, let him cover you. Who are you to judge yourself when he's already not even looking at it anymore? There should be freedom. When you confess, when you give it up, when you lay it at the ground and you say, Lord, it's yours, leave it at the altar. That's why it says that you need to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I got a tickle. Then you won't be doing what you're... <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. You're... Sinful nature craves. We need to listen. We need to and allow him. Like I said, three years, I ignored it. Plain and simple. I ignored it. I let him tap on my shoulder. I let him whisper in my ear. I felt like, I, no, I'm not worthy. <coughs> oh, I'm going to drink this water down before I get through the first verse. But we need to allow him. No matter what you're doing, and goodness gracious, ladies are jumping up. Miss <laughs> Barbara, she's already brought me one. Thank you very much. She's scared to get on the camera. But we need to let him guide you. You need to let him guide your life. Whether you find yourself in a mess, a predicament, or whatever, he will guide you out of that mire, that mess up, He's in everything. He's not the God of, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you pay for this. When you go, now understand you keep ignoring, keep ignoring. He's going to get your attention somehow. But he's not the God of, he's still the God of the Old Testament. But we have something that is called the blood. That's Jesus Christ. And we have a new covenant. We have the covenant through Jesus. Now this doesn't give us a free will to sin. At all. We know better. We know better. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit and let Him guide. That's just the first verse, and it speaks so much. We need to let the Holy Spirit guide our us. Whether it's out of financial problems, whether it's out of other problems, whether it's being ashamed, give it up. The only person that's ashamed is you are ashamed of yourself. God's not ashamed of you. He's got his arms like this waiting for you to come running back. We just need to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In verse 17 it says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. 
Plain and simple. Let's go back to light and dark. Light wants to shine, wants to fill the room. Darkness wants to envelop and completely black it out. Same thing in your life. The light of the Lord just wants to completely uh, shine through you and just beam, yes, just like this, boom. You Just one big sunbeam, S-O-N beam, just shining through to this world. When the darkness of sin and Satan and all of that wants to hide you in darkness, wants you to be in the cave, don't want you lighting the light, don't want, wants you to stumble around lost as a goat, as I like to say. He wants you like that. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Guess what, people? I don't care how long you've been saved. You're going to fight stuff. You're going to fight stuff. I can tell you, I can... Be, I listen to a lot of talk radio and stuff like that and podcasts and different things like that. But every once in a while the radio's on. And I can have songs take me to places. Mm -mm. That's a battle. It's constant. And you cannot tell me you're holier than now and something like that isn't going to happen to you. Because guess what? He goes about as a roaring lion seeing who can, he can seek out who he can destroy, and if he can do it with a song, get your mind on something. And you might be walking in Walmart, and I noticed this lately. You go to Walmart, and they got a better stereo system on the outside of the building than they do anywhere else. And you can hear music, and it's just blaring, and I, and it's usually like old rock and roll or something like that. And you're and it, whoa, and it can take you somewhere, and it can make your mind start wandering that's why we have to listen to that other voice so many people when you know back in the days of the cartoons how many of y'all remember the little cartoons that had the little cute little devil sat on right here and then you had the cute little angel that sat right here do you know how true that cartoon is but you don't have an angel sitting on you you have a Holy Spirit within you speaking to you, going with a still voice going, hey, no, 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 no. And then you got the devil trying to roar in your ear and go, hey, don't that remind you of? And you want to step out and, you know, it, what we got to stop and we got to capture it. You know, the biggest thing in like, and with men, I'm just going to go there. Pretty ladies walk by and stuff. You've got to capture thoughts. Now, if that thought, I want to ask this. I'm going to ask your opinions. I'm going to ask the ladies. I'm going to ask you. If a man just there and a, a lady, a nicely dressed lady walks by and a man just has a thought but he captures it and he says, no, did he sin? No. That is what we're supposed to do. We don't have, we ain't turned blind. They didn't. The Lord did not put blinders on our eyes. Okay? There's stuff all around us. But what we have to do is capture it and get rid of it. That was a lesson taught to me by my spiritual father. First time, one of the first couple times I ever heard him teach. And his name's Bill Barton. And I heard that and I was like, whoa. I was like, 
And he was talking about, you just capture it. The thought is not the sin. The sin is acting on the thought. What you need to do is capture it. And that's what we need to do is listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to capture this stuff when it, it jumps up. Like I hear the, uh, hear the song and it, it takes me back to somewhere I'd, you, I'd been at one time and I shouldn't have been, but I, that was a former life. And I have to capture that thought and go, look, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that at all. We need to listen. We need to listen to that little, small, still voice as he speaks to us. He's not doing it in chastisement. You don't need to be doing that. He's doing it out of love because he knows where it can land you and where you can end up. But we, as believers, the biggest thing is we need to listen. We need to listen. Verse 18 says, But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Let me read that again. <laughs> Pastor's like, oh, you open that can of worms. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not obligated to the law of Moses. We've got to realize what was talked about in verses right before this. He was talking about eating. It was basically Paul saying he can come down here in the south and eat everything we ate. And understand he's operating in the Spirit and all these people are going, why are you eating pig's feet? Why are you eating... Uh, Ham, why you got bacon? Why you? He's operating in the spirit. Mosaic law said you don't touch pig. You don't go near a pig. You don't touch it. You surely don't eat of it. Paul was not talking to, not ministering to Jewish people, was he? He was ministering to who? Yeah, us, or us heathens, us of the Gentile world. In other words, anybody, we ate pig. We still do. But he was operating in the spirit, and he was, he, guess what? That's a covering. That is a covering. We are covered under that. that he's operating in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? If it's something as, it would take, if he would have looked at those people, let's say you're ministering to someone, and you don't eat pig, you don't eat pork, and you're ministering to somebody and they invite you to your house, and the first thing they're going to do is provide you a tomato and bacon sandwich. I don't like lettuce, that's why I don't say it. I like lettuce on a salad, not on a sandwich. But bacon and lettuce, and bacon and tomato sandwich. And you're like, what do you think you would do if you said, no, I don't eat bacon? That's against my religion. Huh? In that time, it would have been a slap in the face. People providing food. Yeah, but still, people, there's some people around here, they put food down in front of you, you're going to eat it. Yeah. And guess what? You're operating in what? The Spirit. You're there to minister, right? I've heard stories of Brother Bo and them going up in these mountains. And I don't, I, he, 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 didn't, he didn't elaborate on the food he ate. But some of it wasn't normally what we would eat. And they bless it and they eat it. 
but he's operating in the spirit. We, we understand, and it could go more than just food, but you've got to understand where this is coming from. Just a few verses above this, this is what happens. This was something that was discussed, and how have I told you to read these letters? Read them as a letter. Start taking these verses and chapters and get rid of them and read them as a letter because it flows. And why would he, he would go straight into that? Hey, I can eat and I'm going to That's what we're supposed to do, okay? When we operate, we're, we're under the Spirit. You're not living in the flesh at that time. He's trying to also point that out. You're not operating in the flesh. You're not sitting there in a controversy with flesh and this. He's not sitting there craving bacon. Paul, he was a what before he was saved? He was a Pharisee. He knew the law better than most people. He knew. But he was operating in the Spirit. Verse 19, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. We'll get sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. It don't all, everybody likes to like, look at verse 19. But let's go to verse 20 because this is all in it together. These are all of them stacked together. Idolatry. I heard a statistic. I was going to pick up my phone. I heard a statistic today. I was listening to a podcast. Do you know the average human spends 15 years in front of the TV set? 15 years in front of the TV. Nowadays, it's this. Nowadays... My church in Eclectic, those of you know, there's a big lake up there. It's called Lake Martin. I grew up on that lake. It's funny. Starting May 1st, your attendance starts going down. Oh, but we're out on the lake. We bought a new boat. I understand because I used to have the same mentality a long time ago. I don't know. But we can make a lot of things idols. It don't have to be a Buddha sitting over there and you go rub its belly every morning when you get up. It could be these phones. It could be work. Pastor talking about coaching his children. I coached my daughter throughout through softball. Um for the parent, not the child, it can become a religion, an idol. Unfortunately, and Pastor will probably agree with me, a lot of times you see these coaches and the only thing they're doing, they really don't care about their kid. They're reliving their failure in sport by being a coach. And it becomes an idol to them. It don't have to be you worshiping Diana or any of those, what we think of idols, Anything that you put before God is an idol and it's idolatry. And like I said, Lake Martin and pontoon boats and 
wake boats. It was funny when the lake started dropping right after Labor Day. Oh, we're back, Pastor. We're so good. That or if there was a, a front. That was one thing. I had a pontoon boat. We would go out on Saturdays. It's funny, ever since I bought that pontoon boat, I sold it uh, a few months ago, but it seemed like every, every summer Saturday there was thunderstorms in Lake Martin, Alabama. That was where my, that's my only day I go on the lake. I didn't go on Sunday. But if we have thunderstorms on Sundays, we get some people in church also. And it's making an idol. And we love to read this verse 8, I mean verse 19, and talk about all the sexual immorality and impurity and lustful pleasures. But we don't, the idolatry, the sorcery, the hostility. I'm not going to get into politics, but some people's politics becomes hostile. It's a sin. It is a sin. Scripture says you're supposed to pray for your leaders. You may not agree with them, but you need to pray for them. I learned that quickly. But you've got to pray for them. Jealousy. I've never seen it in this church, but I've seen it in churches. Why do they get to sing? My voice is better. They get to sing three weeks out of four. And I only get up for four and I only get to do one service, not two. Why do they get to be the door greeter? I want to do door greeting. They always get to do the door greeting. How about this? Why do they get to always take up offering? People, come on. You don't get to take up offering? Go find something else to do. Before I ever took on ministry, this is just how I was raised, and my father taught me this, one about hard work, but he also taught me in the church to do everything you can. You always hear me talk about my pastor. And you can ask him. He irks me when he's doing menial stuff. I go, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? At my other church, I was the first person. I turned on lights. I turned on heat. I turned on air conditioning. And I pri not to say, oh, look at me. I prided myself in it. I was like, Lord, I'm serving you. I see trash on the floor in the bathroom. I picked it up. I, I can tell you, one, like the third or fourth time I was in this church, I went in that bathroom in yonder, and one of the toilets was running. And I did what I had to do, and I washed my hands, and I was like, okay, that toilet's not supposed to be running like that. I didn't come running out the door going, y'all need to fix this. I went in there, I lifted, and I jiggled, and it went, shh. People, you don't have to be in the limelight. And jealousy within the church is a key thing. Now, I'm not saying I, I don't, don't say, but still, you can do everything from clean a toilet to greet. Now, please wash your hands in between. <laughs> but it does not. 
I'm hiding back yonder on Sundays. I could be up here going, Pastor, you know my history. and No, I want to serve where I can serve. Okay? I enjoy teaching. I enjoyed teaching this past Sunday. I enjoy messing with that soundboard. If I go into the bathroom and the toilet's running, I'm going to jiggle the handles. I'm going to take the... I'm going to do something. If I see that paper's on the floor, I'm going to pick it up. If I hear that the... the the spray things start beeping. Thank goodness Holly went and ran before. I knew in the whole thing, I'm thinking in my head, here they go, they're going to chain because we did it on a Sunday morning before service. And I'm like, and I was thinking, you know, maybe since all these get changed, maybe someone needs to go on a, like a Thursday night and hit the reset button so it'll happen on Thursday next time <laughs> instead of Sunday. But the whole thing is we got to do, and don't be, you don't have to be in the limelight, just serve the Lord the best you can. Don't be jealous of the people that are serving. I talk to some of the young ladies and stuff that sing up here, and I talk to them, and I uplift them. I'll tell you, a few weeks ago, uh, Carrington was just belting it. I couldn't wait to tell her as soon as she got off the stage. I was like, young lady, you were singing today. I try to tell all of them, I, I, and I try to lift them up. But we don't need any, because I know how nervous they are up there. Some people's never served up there, and they're singing, and I try to say, y'all sounded great, and guess what? I got people telling me, that's all, I mean, I don't need that, but thank you, but I'm not trying to run up here and run the soundboard from the front of the stage. You don't have to be in the limelight. You don't need to be jealous of other people's jobs. Understand, your service to the Lord, whether you clean with a toilet brush or you're shaking hands at the door or you're leading worship, it's all the same because you're doing it for God. Don't be jealous of the other person. Don't be jealous. And because guess what? Jealousy is one of these things that's listed here. I don't care how well you think of yourself in the church, you getting jealous over somebody because they get, they're doing something and you don't. You can find something, you can do it. There's a plenty of jobs pastor can fill right now to do on Sunday mornings. Amen. Amen. That can help out, like in production. We got people volunteering now and it's great, but still we could use more people. We could use more people greeting. We could use more people filling the back of these chairs with pens and uh, the giving envelopes. You, yeah, yeah. We got all sorts of stuff that can happen. Don't, don't be jealous because somebody got the job you think you want. That might not be the job God wants you at. So jealousy, we don't live in jealousy. Outburst of anger. I have read this scripture and read this scripture and read it and understand it and I've read it, I've preached it, I've taught it and everything else. And I was getting ready for this today and I got a page for a broken machine this morning and I was like, and I was ill. I took my work phone and I slammed it down. I was like, I knew this was going to happen. I'm supposed to be teaching tonight and I'm probably going to have to call Pastor at noon. And, and then I'm reviewing what? Outburst of anger. 
Mm-mm. Guess what? It happened. And instantly, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Please forgive me. You hit me with, I got tested in my own teaching. If you ever teach or you ever preach, get ready. If you ain't ready to be, you're going to get tested in it. You're going to get tested big time and not even expect it. But this morning, outburst of anger. I had to humble myself before the Lord and say, please forgive me. You've got me. Not just understand. He was like, got you for what? When I said that, when I said forgive me, he probably did this. Got you for what? Right now, I'm not beating myself up over it. I'm testifying over it. It's testimony. Again, I left it where I laid it. He's forgiven me because I've asked for forgiveness. I recognize the sin of it. I shouldn't have had that outburst. Luckily, it wasn't around people. I've had that before, and I've had to ask for forgiveness. But outbursts of anger. Wait a minute. That's still in there when that same list with lustful pleasures and sexual immorality and impurity. We so many times try to take our own little levels of sin. Sin is sin is sin. There is not a special place in hell for somebody, and I talked about that Sunday morning, for Jeffrey Dahmer's and Adolf Hitler's. Sin is sin is sin. The only thing, there's difference, not giving us a free will to sin, but understand we can recognize it and go, Lord, please forgive us, and he will. And then what we need to do is leave it. So many times we like to take and throw it across our back and walk around with it, kind of like every one of us read the Scarlet A, right? Why are you plastering a Scarlet S in the middle of your chest for sin? One, nobody else needs to, I mean, once it's forgiven, it's forgiven. You don't need to go parading around with it, beating yourself up with it. Now, there's going to be testimony. There's going to be a time of deliverance. There's going to be, but you need to let it go. And you need to stand up straight and understand that the Lord God of heaven and earth has forgiven you. How can you not forgive yourself? I've been there. I've had my pity parties. I've had the stuff like that. And guess what? It doesn't do nothing but drag you right back down. And who are you to judge yourself when God has already forgotten it? You placing yourself higher on the throne? No. What you do is say, thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that spoke to me where I could confess it, where I would confess it, where I didn't just tune you out. Three years I was tuned out like I told you. And it took a brother in this church to come to me in that back row back yonder and say, let's go to the altar. And I'm busted weeping. And I'm up here and people, I don't know who all gathered around me. And I let it go. I confess. I just let God, I let God, I let go and let God. 
plain and simple. And he is restoring and restoring and restoring me. What I can do now is testify of his goodness. I don't glorify in my sin. Next is selfish ambitions. That kind of kind of goes in with the jealousy thing. We can have selfish ambitions. Oh, I'm going to move up. I'm going to do this. I'm got. I, I'm going to bump you out of the way so I can get this position. In churches, you see it, but you don't that often. But in the corporate world, in the real world, and in the military, you see it. I don't care who I step on to get where I want to go. I saw it in the Navy. I do not care who I step on. I had a guy in my shop. He was, he was a QC guy. He was a tech like me. We work on, on avionics equipment, but he held a QC stamp, basically quality stamp. He would check your work and everything else. Well, he worked on a piece of equipment. He QC'd his own thing, which he's not supposed to, especially on avionics gear. He had me sign what's called the VIDMAF. That's what's used in the Navy. Uh, so I, and I was like, what? And, I signed up. and this box came back uh, extra. And I was like, and then I got chewed out for it by the chief. And he's like, didn't you test this box? I go, so-and-so had me do it because he ran it and we didn't have a QC in here to, to sign it off. And he said, and then he chewed me out for doing it. You know better. Then he chewed him out. This guy, I was a third class or an E4. This was an E5 that was up for, you know, he wanted to make E6, and he didn't care who he used me to step on. Jealous ambitions. That's a sin. Dissension. Okay, I'm going to give some pastoral advice as not being the pastor. One of the biggest things that was ever taught to me when I was in ministerial training. Being up under a pastor such as ours. There, there should never be dissension in the ranks. If you can't get on board with your pastor, he's the man of vision in this church. We have a board. We do have our apostle. But the man of vision in this church, we call him Pastor DJ. If you can't get on board with where he's going and guiding this church as the captain at the helm of this ship, you need to get off. You need to go. First and foremost, let me tell you this. You need to go and speak to the pastor. And then you need to tell him. Because I can tell you this, I had it in my church before. And guess what I did? I said, before you leave, let me pray for you. I want God to lead you where you need to be. Because I've also seen the dissension in the church, and that's how churches split. The pastor and some of the board or whatever is in this direction, and then all these people are in this other direction, and they go, well, and it's... That's what's happening in our country. But within a church, it is... It just makes me want to have to ask the Lord forgiveness for an outburst of anger. 
because I can't stand it. I can tell you this much. I love Pastor DJ with all my heart. But if I didn't agree with something with him, I would do exactly what I said. I would ask to see him one day in his office. We would talk. I would probably be crying like a baby. And I'd say, I just can't stay on board because I do not want to cause dissension in this church. Now, have I seen that? No. I'm just saying that. And that's very big for staff members. That's mainly who I'm probably talking to, and I don't see it in this church. But as a staff member, I was a children's pastor. I was an associate pastor. If I could not get on board with my senior pastor, I had to go. Not my senior pastor. I had to go, and I didn't need to drag people with me. I had to go. It never happened because guess what? I usually, I'd be like, huh. And then I would let God speak to me. I'd go, oh, that's why we're doing this. Because guess what? It's not always revealed to you. It's revealed to your shepherd. If he wants to lead you to this field and you don't think we need to go to this field, you need, why would you go to this field? Because there's a journey to it and it's going to take a while and you just don't agree with it, pray. Don't form dissension within the church because guess what? You're sinning. And you're not letting the Holy Spirit speak to you because I've had it where I'd be like, I just don't know about that, but I'd pray about it and pray about it. And it wouldn't be long thereafter. It'd be like, oh, that's why. Only you, God. <laughs> Only you. And then I'd know where we're going. I, didn't, I wouldn't leave. But don't be, because when there's mutiny in the ranks, no ship can stay, stay uprighted. That goes back to old sailing day. You're going to end up either sailing in circles or you're going to list and take on water and sink. We don't need to get caught up in this at all. And guess what? Dissension. Wait a minute. Lustful pleasures, immorality, sexual immorality. Still in the same list. Division, same thing. Envy, you know, dissension and division. You're causing division within the ranks. You don't need that. Some people like it. Some people actually thrive on it. Some people like to cause division with the body, the whole body to the pastor. Let me under, let you understand something. Me and Pastor had this discussion the other day. You're not called to make decisions in this church. That man's called to be the shepherd of this church. You may receive, you know, the, an anointing to be either an elder or something like that, but that man back yonder is the man that's called. He's called to pastor. Okay? You need to understand that. Don't think you know more than God. Now, I understand if a pastor is out of line... There has to be correction. But understand this. If it's just something you don't like, example, about 10 years ago, there was a song in Southern Gospel Music. It's called The Writing on the Wall. It was making fun of what we do every Sunday because they weren't, you didn't have a, a red back or a hymnal in your hand singing Amazing Grace and two-part harmony and all that other stuff. No, because there was... And these Southern Gospel 
Christians were sitting there dogging because there's writing that we would put words on a wall, you know, and sing from that. And nowhere in this scripture has there ever been something that says, sing out of the hymnal. It says, sing from your heart. Worship Him. Praise Him. You're talking about division? That was dividing the body. I just cringed at it. I was like, are you crazy? I'll tell you, I helped drive him, the Southern Baptist Church I was in, I helped drive getting brand new hymnals. But I also enjoyed getting words up with modern worship. I will crack it just as I am. I love hearing that song because I threw a hymnal across a uh, pew and ran to an altar. I couldn't wait. I heard the first key. I knew what they were going to sing, and I know who was even playing the piano. Good friend of mine. Our daughters were friends in school. Ding, and this was before I got married, and I heard that. I threw that hymnal, and I ran to an altar. It was from the hymnal. But guess what? We can be singing a modern-day version of something up there. We can be saying, God can break me. I've wept a many a time back there. We don't need to be dividing over something as silly as you wanting a hymnal or somebody wanting the modern-day worship. But it happens. Honestly, it's ignorance. It is ignorance. God wants true worshipers, whether it's out of a hymnal or it's off the wall. Leading with just a piano or you got a full band up here whether it's just as I am or it's champion. I had to think of one. One It doesn't matter. Okay? We don't need to cause that type of mess with division. That's dividing the whole body. There's envy. Basically, you're jealous of something still. Drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Is what Paul got tired of listing them all out. It's like, people, open your eyes. You know what sin is. We don't need to be in sin. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You can conquer this through the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you again, as I have verse 5 and 21, uh, part B as you would call it, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. Understand, if you're living this life and you ain't checked yourself and you think this envy, this jealousy and everything else, and you're operating in the church, guess what? Read the words yourself. You're not listening to that little voice that resonates actually from right here up through you. Resonates in that 18-inch space between here and here. That same 18-inch space that separates head knowledge and heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. 18 inches is a scary thing. 18 inches is what had me bound for hell till I was 23 years old thinking I knew Jesus because I had him in my head all day long. I didn't have him in my heart. The same thing, you're not listening at the Holy Spirit up through your heart, and you're doing certain things, and you just don't feel like they're, and, you're, and he's speaking to you, he's crying out to you. He loves you, God loves you enough. He, 99 and 1, guess what? He's leaving, he's trying, and he, 
That one don't have to go back with the shepherd. Or that one can be broken down and go, please pick me up and take me. Remember footprints in the sand? <laughs> Put me across your shoulder because I can't do it. But understand this, when you ignore it, there's a warning here, folks. In verse 22, we're getting into some good stuff now. It says, but the Holy Spirit produced, if we live in this, if we live in listening to the Holy Spirit, if we understand when we do mess up, like someone having an outburst today, and I stop instantly, I get reminded by Scripture. What is the Scripture for? Is it for the lost world? No, it's for us. It's to edify and help us grow as Christians and teach us how to reach the lost. You hit people with Scripture Especially this day and time, they're going to look at you crazy. I don't, how many times did Jesus just start spitting scripture out at people? You know who he spit it out at? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the learned. When the woman with the issue of blood or the prostitute that was thrown at his feet and says, what should we do with her? Did he look at her and just start and spit? No, he played and sang. And then he looked up at the judges and said, those without sin cast the first stone. I like, some people say this, I don't know. Some people said he was writing their sins in the sand. I don't know. And I'm sorry, someone else doesn't have that great enlightenment. You can't see back 2,000 years. It's not in Scripture. But he was playing in the sand. He said he wrote in the sand. He was writing in the sand. He was writing something. Then he looks up. He stands up and he looks down at this woman. They're all gone because he hit the nail on the head. Kind of like the Holy Spirit did with me today when I had my little outburst. And guess what? And he looked down and he says, Where's your Where is your accuser? I don't accuse you. I don't accuse you. So many people, when they had their one-on-ones, you would look and they actually were confessing. Most of the times when they told of sin, you got to think, the woman at the well, she, was, she basically told them, look, why are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm a divorced woman. And, and they said, yeah, you are. You have this. He kind of just got her attention, but he wasn't judging her. He was, but actually, she was actually doing what before Jesus? Confessing. And that's what we need to learn to do. It's not that hard. But so many times we have that little enclosure. But when we confess and we can live in a freedom like this, and when it says when we live in the Holy Spirit and it will produce this kind of fruit in our lives, not the gift that everybody in the church world would go want to run around in tongues and all of that. And I love, I love praying in my, heavenly, in my heavenly language. I like when God get, allows me to have the gift of tongues. I allow when, when God has, gives me a gift of knowledge to somebody, when he pour, gives it to me. But he expects me having the spirit working within me to start producing fruit. Because Jesus gave a warning about not producing fruit. What happens? 
What are you going to do? My daddy taught me about tomato plants. He taught me about these the, the branches that come out and they always had the, the point on the end, the leaves with the point. They're called suckers. Trip, trip, trip. Because they're sucking nutrients out of the plant. They're worthless. They don't produce fruit. We need to produce this fruit of the Spirit. With the Spirit within us. Guess what? He is nurturing you. If you're, a, if you're being nurtured, you're, we're grafted into the vine, don't it say? So if we're in the vine, we're grafted into the vine, shouldn't we be producing fruit? And we're being nurtured by Him through the Holy Spirit, through His Word, through His teaching, through preaching, all of that. We're being nurtured. And if we live as we're accor- accordingly as we're supposed to, we start producing this fruit. And here, co- here it comes. It is love, very first one. We talked about it all last week. Everything else is not without it. If you do anything in the kingdom and you don't do it in love, it is like a clanging cymbal. You can preach, teach, prophesy, all of that stuff. It is meaningless without love. I'm not pointing at you, Miss Barbara, but you can stand at that door and put that fake, a person can put a fake face on, not you, and be the most loving person. But if you don't truly have love, because when they go out, you, you know, they go by and you're in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are they doing? Why are they like, don't they know not to wear flip-flops to church? Sorry, Jesus walked around in sandals. <clears throat> Don't you know you're, you, you shouldn't be wearing, you know, blue jeans in church? Jesus didn't wear blue jeans. Jesus didn't wear dress slacks. Oh, good, good to see you, sister. Good to see you, brother. Have they even had a bath today? That's not love. You didn't greet. That's so fake and everything else. That is not fruit. But we have a lady who likes to open that door, who showed that there was fruit falling from her tree that first day we walked in this building. And that's how I knew we were walking into the right place. Because honestly and truthfully, if you are in tune with the Spirit, you can tell when someone's love is fake. Let the fruit grow. After love, what do we find? Joy. Be happy. Yes, there's times you get upset. Oh, I got to go. I was upset this morning when I got that. I got to go work on this machine. (sighs) I'm happy to be alive, folks. I'm 53 years old. I have high blood pressure and diabetes. And guess what? I shouldn't be getting up in the morning sometimes. But I do. I count it as joy that I'm still alive. Be joyful. You could be in a lot worse places. You could be in one of those states in within the Ukraine, fixed, looking down the face, and I'm getting—I don't mean—looking down the face of the Russian army. You could be one of those in Afghanistan that helped the United States out. That right now. If they're still alive, they're fearing for their lives. 
You could be without a job living on food stamps on the wrong side of town in Montgomery, Alabama. Wondering where your next meal is going to be for your children. Count it joy. Oh, I got to go Tuesday at table. You don't understand. I work. I won't get messy. I'm going to hush, Pastor. I'm going to hush. Come on, folks. Count it joy that you're. I want everybody to do this. Count it joy you just was able to take a breath. Count it a joy that God's gave you another second. Count it joy that God's gave you the ability to even be able to come in here. Count it joy. Let's have a little joy. He didn't go to a cross so we could go around looking like a bunch of beat down, scowled people. I remember back in the day, and I'm talking about 80s and stuff, if you didn't look like that going into church, you weren't a proper church folk. Why are you smiling? I'm being honest with you. Joy. Peace. Of all the fruits and love, I understand is so important. When you're in depression because you're not listening to the Lord, that is one fruit that you long for. But it seems every time it tries to bud, it, you got bud rot and it falls off. You know, just like my, my dad could grow a tomato in, in a garbage can. I can't grow a tomato in the most fertile soil in the world. All my buds fall off because I got bud rot and everything. But that's the same thing there. My peace just every time I felt like it would just fall off. It's because I was not operating in the spirit and allowing God's spirit to operate in me. You want to know that one fruit that is for you? It's peace. I'm sorry, my peace has... Honestly, pastor, he could see I'm at peace or understand it, and I can testify of it. But who, who, my peace, the peace that goes beyond understanding within my life, that fruit that is within me, who does that affect? Does it affect my peace? Does it affect any of y'all? Yeah, it could because I probably are breaking all the, all the other ones, and I'm having outbursts and everything else. But does my peace? No, that peace is the fruit that you're supposed to cling to. It is for you. Next to love, I'm, I'm probably, and I'm going, peace is probably one of the most important in your walk. Because if you ain't got peace, you are hurting. And the only way you can get that peace is through the Lord. He offers that peace. That peace beyond understanding. When you're not supposed to have peace. 
when you've just watched your father pass away, you take over uh, your mother with Alzheimer's, and then she passes away 11 11 months to the day. Six months later, your wife gets a diagnosis, and where is my peace? I don't, but guess what? I was ignoring the Lord. And depression just loomed. And because of that and me not listening and not him just allowing him to love on me and I didn't allow that peace, every time it tried to bloom, it just fell off. We have to understand that we have to reach and understand I couldn't do anything. It had to be him. And I had to surrender. I talked about this again Sunday. What is this the international symbol of? Surrender, giving up. And it's in the Christian world, when you do that, it's also, it's worship, but also when you surrender like this, it's the only time in surrender you will ever win. When you surrender to God's will and to the Lord, you win. Tell me where else in the history of man where someone or a country or anything surrendered, they won. But we do. We do. And it's as simple as doing this. I surrender. That song, I Surrender All. It's one of them hymnal songs. All to Him, I Surrender. Then there's patience. Okay. Here goes another churchy thing. Don't you have, don't, don't ask the Lord. Don't pray to the Lord for patience. He's going to try you. You're going to get in a trial. Don't pray to the Lord for patience. Wait a minute. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I want all of them. I have to, I should operate in all of them. You're telling me that I should never pray to the Lord for patience? That's an old-timer thing. You can hear some old... Don't pray to... My first church was an old-timer church. And I preached that. Ooh, I did it out of love. I wasn't trying to be decisive. I was trying to open eyes. And the Lord placed it on my heart. And I got a talking to And then I said, really think about it. If the Lord says this is a fruit, don't you want to operate in it? So guess what? You need to pray for it. I'll leave that one right there. Kindness. If you love people, you're going to be kind to them. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Self-control. I'm a big guy. I like to eat. I like bread. I'm not a sweet eater, even though I love that banana bread, but it is bread. I am a bread eater. Cornbread, rolls, muffins, whatever it is, tortillas. If it's made of flour and put together in some type of form like that. Rick likes it. Biscuit, English muffin. But I sit there and I continually and I have no self-control. What does that do to me? 
it leads me to taking diabetic medicine and out of nowhere having no family history of diabetes. Who can I blame? Myself. Because of self-control. I, I try to watch what I eat now. It don't look like it, but y'all wouldn't have recognized me about, four, about five years ago. I was 95 pounds heavier than I am now. And I've learned I need some self-control. Can I eat a piece of cake or a piece of, of that heavenly banana bread? Yes, I can eat that every once in a while. And I thank you for only giving us a half a loaf last time. That's better. But it's self-control. That is, and let me tell you, gluttony, as I talked about again Sunday, there, uh, drug abuse, alcoholism, whatever, gluttony. Let's go to the buffet after church. Give me ten, let me shake my glass every 10 minutes. I had the waitress come fill me with a bunch of sweet tea and keep filling my plate up. How many times you been up there? Oh, this is my fifth time, but I think I'm just going to go get dessert now. Might have to undo my belt buckle on the way home in the car. <laughs> Church folks can get me sometimes. Good gosh. But the whole thing is you don't have any type of self-control. That self-control, when we think of self-control, you just jump up there with all the big sins. Self-control can be the daily habit of drinking sodas, uh, uh, 12-pack of sodas every day when they're no good for you. I have a buddy that I was in the Navy with. I've never seen somebody, and we still keep up. I mean, he tells me he, he gave him up several years ago because he started having kidney issues. That boy would drink Mountain Dew. I remember he would go down what we call in the Navy the Gidunk and go buy a six-pack and put it in our shop's refrigerator. And by the halfway through the 12-hour shift, he's going to get another one. And then he said he would really get, he got happy every time we got in the Middle East because they like to really pour the sugar to their drinks in the Middle East. And he would get his Middle East with the Arabic writing on one side and Mountain Dew on the other. And he was like, oh, this is so much better than America. And he would drink those things like crazy. He has kidney issues to this day because of it. Guess what? There was no self-control. Yes, it was a lot better than sometimes than drinking the water on board ship because you had a little JP5 mixed in with it. That's aviation fuel, Navy aviation fuel. But still, that wasn't self-control. My buddy could have had something other than that. Could have went down and got some bug juice. He could have went and drank some milk. He, we had it and stuff all the time down on the mess decks. He could have got something else. And, but he's got issues because of it today. We got to learn self-control in all aspects of our lives. I talked about earlier about the TV. 15 years, the average American, 15 years of TV. Wow. Let's have a little self-control. Turn TV off and get in God's Word. Get you a good Bible app. E-Sword, it's free. Get it. You can put it right here. It's made by a gentleman in Birmingham, Alabama. His daughter, I can't think of her name. She is a contemporary Christian singer.
there is no law against these things. After that, I stopped on self-control, but let's just flow. We're mentioning everyone. There is no law against any of these fruits. When you have these fruits bearing for you and others to see, because you bearing the fruit of love is you bearing toward others, and they get to eat of it. The peace, you get to eat of it. There is no law, no condemnation, nothing in Scripture that's against any of this stuff. Those who belong to Jesus, verse 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sin nature to His cross and crucified them there. Understand that Scripture. When you nail it to the cross, when you give it up to the Lord, quit going back and grabbing it. I say that time and time again. Let me give you a good example. I think I've told this story before. I, taught, I preached a sermon that's very similar to this about giving it up and not taking it with you. I had a young lady. She grew up on a cow farm. And I, I used her as an example that was in my first church. And I was talking about this. And I said, look, you carry around your baggage. And I went out and got my work uh, uh, toolbox. We were in my work van and I brought it in. My work toolbox averages from 60 to 75 pounds. And I told her, I said, one, pick that thing up. And I thought she's going to struggle. No, she didn't. I'm like, oh, she totes hay bales. And I mean, beautiful young lady. She just got married last year. I love her to death. I was like, oh, she just ran it. But then I said, okay, what I want you to do next is worship. Because I knew she was a worshiper. She put it down. I said, no. You're carrying your baggage around worship. She goes, this feel, and she was like, then she started, I was like, now put that at the altar and worship. Well, this girl got full of the Holy Ghost, raised it up and started running. <laughs> she did. But that was the whole thing. She left her bag at the altar. She left it nailed to the cross as it was. It was the example of that. When we leave it we can freely raise our hands and surrender if you're still carrying it around how can you surrender you got to nail it to that cross and leave it there just like we nailed those prayer requests over there you don't write it nail it to the cross and when you go to leave after service that day go rip it off going i guess they didn't get healed that's a very good example no, I got one up there for a man I know. My, my daughter is one of her best friend's father. He has been in, as of yesterday, 28 days at Jackson Hospital with COVID. He's, COVID's gone. He's now, he has a lot of health issues. Never got vented. Praise the Lord. Was on forced air. Came off of it about four days ago. Praise the Lord. 28 days. I'm going to praise Him and thank the Lord for every little step. We ain't at the full miracle yet, but I'll tell you, one of these days I'm going to take Danny's name off of that cross and I'm going to take it over there and I'm going to take a snapshot of it and I'm going to send him that picture. He's now went from uh, uh, regular flow 10 liters, he's down to 6 in 2 days. He actually got to swing his feet out yesterday and touch the floor for the first time in 20, uh, yesterday was 29 days, or right at 28, 29 days. 
first time. Praise the Lord. He, could, he had pneumonia. This is a man that had type 1 diabetes. He's not a big guy. He's just, he was born with diabetes. And guess, who, guess what? And I can tell you, Mr. Danny right now will not say, will not say well, I beat it. He's going to say the Lord took care of me. I know that man. But I could have went up there the day after or come back in here. I put it up on a Sunday morning. I could have came in here at Tuesday at the table hearing how he's getting worse and I could have just ripped it off. Same thing. I'm going to nail stuff to a cross and I'm going to leave it until I nail it to that cross and say it's a miracle. I don't need to go put it in my back pocket and start hauling my mess around again. And that's how we should all be. Since we are living at verse 25, I'm going to try to wrap up. I don't even know what time it is. And I, ooh, see, you get me started. I can go all night. Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Give Him everything. Give Him everything. I have a financial situation that I'm looking toward that I've been wondering how it's going to be paid for and everything else. I told Pastor about it because he brought up a, test, a testimony uh, Sunday because I wanted to jump right up behind her. I received one of the largest raises I have ever in my life last week. My company went nationwide to all the service techs and it was based on how long you've been there and everything else. You normally don't receive an eight. The largest that was given was 9%. Rick received an 8.9% raise. $5. I've been with the company 19 years, 20 years in June. Almost $5 an hour raise. Then that is not going to, that doesn't include my merit raise in July. Guess what? I've been worried about this certain thing that's coming up and I see it in the future and it's going, it's going to happen. And I'm going to need to have this little bit of extra and God's providing. Amen? And we need to understand if we let Him have every part of our lives. I've told you all the story about my mother and my grandmother. She would always look at my grandmother and go, let's pray for a parking spot up front. This was before it was law that you had to have handicapped everywhere. People used to tell her that was the silliest thing. That's, that God don't need to be concerned with that. Yeah, my grandmother was near 90 years old. Yes, she needed, she couldn't walk. My mom had to lead her. That was very important. Not one time did they ever end up at Dr. Crumb's old office out on the Southern Boulevard, not being in the front row. Not once. Because they gave every, let the Holy Spirit work in every little part of your life. He is, just as I am a father, I'm concerned about everything with my daughter. Just imagine how much more he is concerned with you. I worry about little things with my daughter. So guess what? He, he more than worries about little things for you. Last verse. Let us not become conceited or provoked or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. This ties in a lot up there. Just because you think you've got it all together, you got know that the Spirit's working in you. Don't get conceited. Stay humble. Don't sit there and provoke others. Love them. Don't be jealous. 
I, I got guys that were in, I was in uh, MI, what's called MIP Ministerial Intern Program. One of my best friends, matter of fact, he sent me a text today. He said, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. Jason Lee. If you're out there, Jason, thank you. I had these little churches. I was a bi, I'm a bivocational, I was a bivocational pastor. The most I ever ran was 45. Most of the time it was 20. Now, and sometimes it was three, me, Vanessa, and my daughter, Lauren. His second church, he went from a church of about like that to a church of 400 and something. You know what I did? Praise the Lord, Jason. He's got great things for you. There was no jealousy at all. No, Lord, we went through it together. Why aren't you blessing me with that? No, I was like, hey, do it. You want me to come be on staff with you? <laughs> you got to celebrate in other people's blessings. You got to love people through their sins and bring them back to the cross. You got to bring people up. You don't need to provoke people. In other words, when a brother sins, you go out there, put your arm around them, bring them back, and you love them. You don't provoke them, go, why are you doing that? I hate that. Why do you do that? I had an old teacher used to do that. Class, hush, hush, hush. No. You go out there like a brother or sister in Christ, put your arm around them, and you love them. And every time you see them, you tell them you love them. And you pray for them. The fruits of the Spirit. We can have the gifts all day long, but I'll tell you, your life, you need these fruits. Because that scripture we talked about last week, it's all but one clanging symbol. You do all that other stuff if you're not bearing this fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all have a great evening. We enjoyed having y'all out there. Uh, and we'll see.